This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Esther Russell. Coming out of your, the only place that growth happens when is you're out of your comfort zone. You know, you can continue living in your comfort zone, but if you realize that this is the last, this is the open nesting chapter, it's, just, it's, it's the half where it's like it's got to happen now or it's not going to happen. Welcome to the Open Esther's podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Well, Tessa, I'm so pleased that we finally got to edit and produce the interview with Esther Russell that we have uh, done, that you have done a couple months ago. Yeah, I, I loved talking to her, and I always do. I continue to just be in awe of our conversations that show how she continues to grow her consciousness and, and understand the collective consciousness through the Akashic Records that she discusses on her website, and I'm so honored that she yeah. was with us. And uh, the openness to story that she has is quite unique, how she started her business while she's going through her divorce and while she's going through growing her kids and taking care of her kids. So the story is quite, quite interesting, and her work is quite, really consists of a lot of divine healing. And you know what? Let's hear the interview, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Let's hear it from Esther Russell. Hi, Esther. I'm so happy to be laughing with you. It's so good to welcome you to the Open Nesters podcast. How are you doing? Hello, my love. <laughs> so nice to be interviewed by you, and um, I'm looking forward to it. So thank you. Well, Esther is a dear friend who actually has had so much impact on my life, my and Amir's life and has really helped a lot of people in the world that I know shift from some of the ways they perceive things to what is possible. And especially talking about as open nesters, this is why it's such an exciting journey for me to be on and to discuss this with Esther. So tell us where you, how you are where you are today. If you want to introduce us to yourself, kind of where your little mini, mini amazing wild journey came from. And mm -hmm. so we can kind of catch up to where you are now. So let's start with that. Sure, sure. So, I mean, you know my story and you know me pretty well. So whenever you realize that I'm leaving a piece out, just please interrupt me and say, Esther, remember that? Remember yes. That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I know you tell me all the time that my life is interesting and out of the box. And it's just me. So I don't always see everything that that about me that is interesting or that is has just been my, my journey. 
So right now I, I just started in my open nesting, a business that I'm really, really excited about. It's called the Book of Life with Esther, Intuitive Readings and Energy Healing. And how this came about is it didn't actually come about. I think it just sort of revealed itself. My whole life, I, you, as you know, I've, I've been this huge, tremendous seeker. And ever since I can remember, since I was a child, I've always been questioning and seeking and questioning what in the hell I'm doing here. What are we all doing here? And I've always felt this, for better or for worse, this strange detachment from actually being in this earth plane, being, being a soul in a body. It just never actually felt, even as a child, felt like a space where I belonged. Um, and I know that sounds weird or it may sound unusual for lots of people, but for me, it was really just my reality. Um, I was one of those kids who saw things and felt things. I was, was a very big feeler. So for instance, even as a child, I could walk into a room and feel everything and just burst out crying. And I, I actually never knew why or what this was. And my parents really didn't understand me very well. God bless them. Um, but it lent itself for me never, ever, as a child, ever feeling where I belonged, if I belonged, who I was, and what my experience was. So it's, you know, you can talk about this and in, in, I can spend years and years in psychotherapy talking about this as, as not being mirrored properly. However, what's interesting, on a deeper plane, I do believe that our souls, and as my soul came in, to a particular situation, a particular set of circumstances, pains, joys, sufferings, in order to actually grow and evolve into who we're all meant to become. So that's in a short story. I mean, this could be a whole novel and a book and a movie, but in a short scenario, that's how my whole journey sense of self started. And it's just been since then a whole conglomeration of just one experience to the next of seeking and trying to figure it out. And some of it was amazing and wonderful and other of it was really crappy and painful and hard. And as all lives are, as all lives are. And what I've come to realize in the work I'm doing now is to actually create the story and the narrative for people so they see that everything their soul chose is actually exactly perfect. And it's what they needed to rewrite and work out their karma on a soul plane. And that's a pretty huge thing. Huge. Um, that's a huge thing. So Esther, I'd love you to frame for us kind of how this, other than this mystical plane that you're really talking about, how you had to uncover yourself on this journey in so many incredible ways that are really rich and people want to hear about. So let's take well, me to when you left your one year, when you first started really seeking as an adult, what happened then? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So I think it started when I went to graduate school in theater and I really saw theater as sort of a portal to the soul and all the different ways of exploring the human condition, the senses, the body, the energy field, the way an actor or an actress can play with energy to captivate an audience. You know, great actors and 
I, I always loved this one story called Mystic in the Theater. But great actors are very tuned into all of these things because they know that their energy, when they exude it and they're standing on stage, actually captivates the audience and takes them on the journey, the soul journey with them. And, and we cry, we laugh along with the whole collective experience when you're watching a good performance, whether it's in film or theater or whatever it is. So that was the beginning. And I think it was from, from there. And a lot of it, to be quite honest, was in college, I had experiences with psychedelic drugs that was incredibly profoundly impactful. And I had an absolute experience of God and communicating with the forces of nature. I had a raccoon and I had a whole full on conversation and he came up to me and took food out of my hand. And I was with, you know, my boyfriend, my, my partner at the time. And we had this whole, we made up a language and we took up all our clothes and just ran around and felt like we were one with nature in the forest. So I, I know that now that's becoming very popular, you know, psychoactive drugs or that whole new book by Michael Pollan that just was written a couple of years ago about its ability to transform the brain. So this is, um, in dealing with anxiety, depression, th this is real stuff. The DMT in the brain, the pineal gland. I really do believe this is the next evolution of, of where we're going um, as people. My journey kept continuing. I never actually, the one thing about me is I explored and kept going and experimenting. But what I was seeking, I, I never really found. And so I just kept going. So tell I, us about some of those yeah, stops I, along I, the way. Yeah, so I, I you know, con continued. I had a, a pretty big career in Hollywood for a while. I was a producer. I was a screenwriter. I was a performer and an actress. And I, I couldn't stand the whole scene. And I gave it up and started developing an interest in Eastern philosophy, spirituality, mysticism. And I quit my whole life in Hollywood and I, I went to India and lived on an ashram for a while and was meditating. And that didn't work out just because I got really sick. My, um, <laughs> my Jewish genes couldn't handle the, the, the dirty water and food. So trying to run away from myself wasn't exactly working. I, from there, I actually took a trip to Israel. And it was there that I went to the mystical city of Sfat. And being a seeker, I ran into some very spiritual people who I learned with. And for the first time in my life, I was brought up Jewish, although it never appealed to me. I actually was turned on to some of the mystical teachings that actually are in, our, in, in, in my tradition. I embraced it immediately. It was almost like a long lost lover that you, you haven't seen forever. And it became this incredible journey for me of finding myself in the deepest way, or so I thought. And I was quickly married to another man who had become religious also, who turned out to be, who he was also a, um, a performer and an actor and a comedian. And they call those people, um... Balchuva looking Baltuva. for the answer. Yeah, we, were, for... we were big time, big time. That's right. It's called Balchuva. Looking, we big... looking for answers. Looking... Right. Balchuva is actually in Hebrew. Coming so... back to the answer, coming back. Returning. Baltuva. Returning, returning. So what is returning to God? It's returning to source. It's returning to the the source of who I am and was. And am, not was. I'm still a Jewish woman. Um. I'm returning to that. So five kids later, <laughs> lots of 
lots mm. of unbelievable learning and struggles and joy and, and journeying. I'm here. I'm here. Um, my marriage fell apart, unfortunately. And, but my kids and I sort of managed to create a whole new life, which is, I think, probably where it comes, the, the, open, the open nesting part comes. It's been really an unbelievable journey. I feel like I'm on this journey with my children. You know, it's interesting because I, I look at it as though in the middle of it, I didn't really understand what I was doing. And it's only now at this final piece, this final chapter that I'm able to actually look at retro, retroactively and see how it was all meant because there were times when I was extremely distraught. But looking at it now, it's all been this magnificent journey that's actually taken me exactly to where I want to be right now. So that's been a real awakening for me. So tell us a little, some of your projects are quite interesting that, that you've been writing about. So what's coming through in your writing, even before we can talk about your actual career in this business that is really so incredible helping people. I'd love you to tell us about how your writing informed some of the work and the things you're putting out in the world too, with 205080, for example, that I know about. So let's talk about that because I think it's such a nice connection to the fact that your one of your daughters that you've profiled that around is this new open nester at 20 and and you talked about your mom at 80 so you're the 50 year old and why don't we talk about you as that central figure yeah awesome so that's probably one of my favorite things to talk about so thank you because it's a way of abstracting my life from myself and and doing it in a way that i can write about my character as she informs my life i inform her life and it becomes this really amazing creation of reality you know I think all writers are sort of like that their their selves are in the protagonist but you start losing and forget losing yourself and wondering who's telling whose story so yeah her name is Natalie and this this screenplay came about when I started dating I was divorced I was in my 50 you know early 50s and my daughter was single and my mother was single and we all decided <laughs> to help each other we didn't decide but we would talk about it what's going on, the kinds of romances, the dates we had, the sexual intimacies we had. And my mother, God bless her, at 80 years old, had met this man who she knew was her soulmate. And they were having this wild, hot sex. And my daughter and I, our mouths would just drop open. And we, we were, I was jealous. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was really jealous. I had, you know, come from a marriage where, you know, I was a very Hasidic religious woman and there was no hot sex going on. Not that that can't happen, but it just wasn't my life. And my daughter was still young and didn't really believe these things happened. So my mom was talking about all these wild things that were going on in the bedroom. And we were just flabbergasted. And I realized that this was a story. It just became so obvious that this was a story about three generations of women share the intergenerational experiences of love and that it's so similar and common. Hey, if you like this episode with Esther Russell, check out episode 7, Following the Yes, or episode 12, Language of the Soul, or episode 21, Intuition, Kids, and Heart Intelligence. The thread that runs through our lives as women in love is so amazing. And sex and love, just because you're 80, 85 years old, it's the same. 
it's the desires the same, the passions the same, the heart, the heart is the same. And I think yeah, the evolution is is yeah. is what can be changing in the way we witness that. So it's interesting. I recently had a conversation with this woman who wrote, wrote, uh, writes about her book is Sex and Happiness, Lori Handler's this week, and we're going to interview her. And we discussed love, and she used she has a new thing with extraordinary love at this age in her seventies now, mm -hmm. and she talks about how it's how we feed oxytocin on purpose, like how we create more spiritual and sexual openness. And so I think that can come from wisdom as well. I mean, I wonder what you think about that, because I feel like you have a lot of just such interesting insights, and even from all these different perspectives about how this, our soul fall, finds new love at this stage from a very, from its erotic pro places, as well as from its soulful spiritual connections. And I'm curious what you think about that. <laughs> so you're talking sort of about sacred sexuality? like Sure, the, sure. Yeah. Well, what I do believe, which is no question, and especially I think when we arrive, at least I speak for myself, but I know that I speak for the consciousness of conscious people, that the, the idea of sexuality when you hit a certain age is that, you know, you've had enough sex, but the next evolution of it really is the experience of divinity through sexuality. You know, how do we connect with God? How do we have these mystical experiences as a sexual being? How do we actually create and connect and go there and understand ourselves and our bodies are just the vessels and the conduits for this amazing energy to flow through us. But there has to be, you know, both partners attached to this idea. It's hard to find both partners at that same place on this, <laughs> on this plane of, of knowing how yeah, to connect those two things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been my whole journey. You know that, that I'm, I'm so certain of this and live my whole life. I live from the soul plane. I mean, it's real for me. It's real. This is an experience. I, I can't, it's like, as, as we breathe air and we drink water, I, I'm guided by my soul whatever that means. And some people don't understand that. So I cannot even have at this point in my life, a sexual experience that's not guided by a soul connection. I don't even know what I would do. You know, so, so your mom's your mom's connection were not so that was more of the funny part of the book, right? So Oh, yeah, I mean, she's hot. <laughs> she thinks it's her soulmate. I don't think she's having what I say. She's having hot sex. I mean, she's finding her God, God I don't know if I'm home. My mother doesn't live. Hi, mom. But um, she's finding her G spot. And having all kinds of exciting sexual experiences she'd never had. And um, listen, that would be fun too. But my character, so my character goes on this whole journey. Natalie goes on a whole journey seeking and, and searching for this and developing her own soul and developing her own personality. And as she does that, I mean, it became obvious that I'm on that same journey. So it's about now creating a vibration in my own soul so that those experiences are attracted in. You know, we all have our electromagnetic field and what we resonate, we attract. So it's, um, it's really believing the deeper we go in alignment with ourselves, whatever it is that you want to bring in, it's being authentic, it's resonating with your highest source, and those experiences the universe will bring to you. 
but it's believing it and it's actually holding it in that same, it's holding it to that vibration, that frequency on a daily basis. And that's where we fall short because people get really encumbered by the humanness of our fears, our negativities, our anxieties, our depressions, which are really human and connected to the, the part of us that's flight and fight, the limbic brain. That's part of us, our sending our humanness. And the more we move into the soulfulness, the joy, the abundance, the graciousness, the gratitude, the things that actually are human, beautiful humanness. Um, and we hold that vibration, the whole world starts looking different. And I think that's sort of where I'm moving now is trying to stay in that. So do you have any practices that you would recommend that you're, or that you're, what are you doing for that to try to stay in that? Cause that's yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's exactly I do every day. I do. I meditate every single day and I manifest and I visualize and the work I do in this book of life, my, my new business is exactly that. I, I take people into their soul energetic field and align them with their highest plane of being and consciousness. So they actually, and I hold them there in that vibration and they actually get a hit of who they can be and who they are. And it can be revelatory for people. It can actually shift the way they experience themselves in their entire lives. Well, I'm going to say that you definitely had an impact on Amir. So, so, and I think we'll talk a little bit about men because a lot of women and a lot of us as women that are on my podcast in particular have this, have our beautiful yin and our, and our feminine divinity that we can go toward in a way that this world is giving us a lot of, we hope reinforcement because there's been such a backlash of patriarchy and now we're trying to really come forward. And a lot of women are doing that work. And it's interesting because I know we've talked about that you've done work with men and I know I have firsthand experience seeing Amir not only want to radiate his best self in new ways this past year since you had this two hour real deep conversation with him, but also in his generate his creativity and becoming more vulnerable with me. I'm seeing a shift in all of those areas. So I first have to thank you again publicly right now on my podcast for that, the beautiful work you're doing. And so I, I would love you to talk about that, what you see for the for, for men in our really trying times and this and this on this plane, a soul plane. It's, as you're talking, I am just getting chills all over my body. And I it's telling me that this is the right thing. This is the right work. Because men like Emir, who are really good men and want to do the right thing, oftentimes in the social conditioning of what it means to be a man, lose the soul piece of their lives. And that's actually a really hard thing for men uh, because it keeps them in some kind of a trap that isn't really who they are and they can't be fully expressed as vulnerable, as loving, as kind, as generous, as the givers that they want to be because they're concerned about being providers and protectors. And also they're not receivers. They don't know how to do the, the womanly divine way of exactly. receiving. They don't know how to receive. You know, it was interesting. I was telling Amir, it's self-love. It's all about self-love. And he said, Esther, just tell me, how do I do it? How do I love? I'll do it. You're the doctor. You're the doctor. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> it was really amazing to me because it became obvious. He genuinely sincerely didn't know what I was talking about. And I have to tell you, as I'm coaching more and more men in this age, they don't know what I'm talking about. And they're begging me, can you please tell me, how do I receive? How do I be more vulnerable? How do I live through my heart? You know, and it's, um, 
the younger men, like our sons, are having a different experience because they're being raised by me. So they're they're in a home where they're encouraged to express the feminine, the, the receiving, the vulnerable, the creative, the altruistic, the cooperative, the one who sees the, the synergy and the patterns of the way things connect, the nurturing. And the acceptance of, of a soul without exactly what the body is, like the, the labels are so much lessened. So we've, the, even the idea of non-binary, of the whole world, oh, yeah, sexuality yeah. and gender yeah. has yeah. opened up for them because in our ancestry and years ago, I mean, if you look back at, at the Eastern traditions, there were always a lot, this, the yin and the yang, the feminine and the masculine could coexist and we're all on that spectrum. So I think their embrace of it is a little more acceptable and openness. Oh, there's more openness there. It but- also, right. It also has to do with the shift of the consciousness of our planet, that this is actually required right now um, for the feminine to rise up. And this has nothing to do with if you're a man or a woman. It's the feminine energy. This is an energy piece. It's nothing to do if you're a man. So because of the social conditioning, men will, as as role modeling, they'll take on certain personas that have nothing to do with the genuine authenticity of what it means to be a man. So I think that we're reevaluating and rediscovering that true men are, are, there's nothing more sexy and attractive than a vulnerable man. Right. I mean, right, right. We're vulnerable human being, but but the masculine, the empowered masculine, knows how to protect and care, and get things done, while in service of the receptive, loving, nurturing. So you have the synergy of those qualities, and there's just such an amazing, <laughs> amazing wholeness, and 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 in the planet right now. The Radio Vagabond. If you like to travel but haven't really been able to too much in recent times, let me do it for you. Meet Paula Bow, a full-time traveler and digital nomad from Denmark on an epic journey around the world. So far, I've been to almost 100 countries, so I'm halfway in my quest to visit every country in the world. Join me, and maybe you'll get some inspiration for your next trip. The Radio Vagabond. Gotta keep moving. I was, I was, I was just going to say that it's no COVID is no accident that planet Mother Earth has come to a standstill with this little virus that's held everybody captive, and it's because the masculine structures of conquering, constructing, violating, raping, toxic, making toxic, polluting, it's the conquering that. It's been overwhelmed. The energy was like, stop, this can't. And now we're all going inside to our souls and to our homes, to our families, to our essence, to things. And this is on an energetic plane, extremely obvious to people who are into this stuff. It's, um, and that's why the fear is part of also, the fear is part of the consciousness that we have to overcome because I think that the disease, the virus will go away as we overcome the chaos and the fear. Uh, People are afraid, not just of the virus, they're afraid of themselves. So there's a lot going on on an energetic plane of of what all of this is is about on on a planetary energetic level right now. So this is all the work that I do with people I love I love this work. And how do you see this stage of us being in our 50s and 60s or at this stage of when our kids are now, you know, this transition time as an opportunity, if you had to say, what are things maybe you want to have people consider? Yeah. 
So absolutely. So this is the period of our lives. And this is what I'm seeing um, as I'm working with everybody, men and women, is legacy. Is legacy. Like, what do I stand for? Who am I? On a soul plane, on the deepest part of me, you know, money, money is not it. And especially guys, you know, I'm coaching these Wall Street guys, money is not it. It's about my expression of my truest alignment of self. And that actually allows for, when you show up as yourself, it allows everybody around you, you're experiencing it to be happier and liberated and finding themselves. And you'll find the kids become more tuned. When, when one light sheds itself, lights up a lamp for other lights. So it's legacy. It's people finding out what their legacy is. And I think um, it's not just going on the golf course. I mean, that's sort of a snoozer, right? Right. I, I see it happening firsthand watching your kids also find themselves because your light of how you're opening yourself at this open nester stage, which is why I want people to really know that this is such a beautiful possibility to go deeper. This transition time offers us really this opening. Opening is everything. Opening pushing our edges out of what we thought we knew and what we think, which is not always comfortable. I mean, right? When you're working with people, this is no, not comfortable. It's not comfortable. No, it's not comfortable at all. In fact, it's uncomfortable. Coming out of your, the only place that growth happens when is you're out of your comfort zone. You know, you can continue living in your comfort zone, but if you realize that this is the last, this is the open nesting chapter, it's, just, it's, it's the half where it's like, it's got to happen now or it's not going to happen. Right. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with it? People really go want to go deeper. And it's actually exciting. It's an exciting, it's an exciting, really exciting period for us, I think. Well, it comes from this, you know, when we have these little breakdowns and we and we re regenerate some new energy, it usually it excites us. It, it, it releases oxytocin, as I was saying, with love as yeah. we form new relationships that could look and feel different. So they feel different. And they could be uncomfortable, even for people to shift into what's possible for me within my marriage or giving ourselves space or giving ourselves time to understand ourselves as individuals and now and how we can give that to each other or not. So all of those questions are so big at this stage. And so I've, so I've seen you go through it and excited to see you help more people do that. And oh. it's really imperative. I feel like that's why the work I really, I really wanted to speak to you about. And your kids, like, so let's talk a little bit about that's always a section of what I like to talk yeah. about how, how your kids are doing and how your kids are maybe seeing um, themselves at this stage now that they're not living together and how they keep staying connected. And yeah, so that, that's a huge thing. Um, and I am really excited to parent at this stage. Because I mean, I've had a different journey parenting my kids, I was extremely led a very Hasidic religious life. And so my children were subject to all kinds of rules and regulations. And I think for the, and then when we, our life fell apart, the religious piece in, and everything fell apart, the, the, nobody knew what was going on. And I'm sort of growing up with my kids now. I've had to reinvent myself entirely because I was a mom with five kids and I stayed in the house, I was in the house. I had a business that I did go traveling around, but for the most part, I would really say that my main focus was being a good Jewish mom and housewife, right? So what do you do? I had I was broke. I didn't have a cent. I was like, I had just graduated college. I didn't have anywhere to go like all the kids. 
You were just like that. <laughs> no. All I did was move home. I had nowhere to move. You know, my my actually the irony is my eight year old mother wouldn't let me move home with her. She was too busy with her boyfriend. She's <laughs> like, you're not coming here. You deal with your own. It's time for me to have my boyfriends. Oh my gosh, mom. Now what am I gonna do? So I um I had to suck it up. I moved to China for a couple of years. I didn't have anywhere to, I taught there and I've, I've been really going and doing deep work and my kids are on this journey with me. We're all doing this together. And I feel like they respect me more than ever because I'm being more authentic and real and they see who I am. And so we're all on this journey together as, as, as you know, I'm like 25 or 23. So they, they range from ages from what is it, 18 to 20 to 30 to 26. 26. Okay. And they're all really incredible. So that's what's interesting is one of the challenges in my marriage was that we parented so differently. And I think that's really hard. And what happens in the open nesting is children get older and they're adult children. They are who they are. And I actually was validated in the way I parented because I see that the really responsible, incredible kids who all want to contribute in a big way to the world and they're all really self-expressed and confident. So maybe in some of my places in my life, I messed up, but in that arena, I have so many blessings. So That was the gift of your soul journey of learning with and from your children. I look what you give and what you're receiving and how you're creating this deep relationship of love through your children. And I don't think we always know how important it is to become more of our authentic selves and our soul and that our legacy is in that energy between how we hold that space for them to become who they're becoming while we're becoming what we're becoming. What an opportunity. I mean, it's such an opportunity. So I, I, I love having these kind of discussions and I knew I would be able to have that with you. And, 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 then, and then the other thing I'd wonder if, uh, if you want to discuss at all is, is, well, first of all, we'll talk about the, how to reach you, contact you, your business. What other things would you say as an, as an open nester people or as time that you're going through discomfort, if people are going through that in transition, what are some of the tools or practices or resources or the things that might have helped you most or that you're seeing could help others more in their journey? Yeah. The most important piece is um, (laughs) self-love, which is what I'm trying to teach men, including your dear husband. It's learning compassion, self-love. I mean, the root of all problems is just a lack of self-acceptance. I mean, women definitely have this. This is a huge thing for women. Women have a huge huge problem with self-love. So it's all people. And every, I mean, human beings, self-love is for some reason we've been taught to, to produce and to, and to become as if that's a destination in itself and it's over rather than I think being with who we are so we can love what we are already. And that, that's the only exactly. way we can move into acceptance and, and, gener- and generate more of that, of what we can become. That's, that's actually a really important piece that you just said. It's self-acceptance. It's loving exactly who you are, where you are, and how you've done what you've done. You've done. And that's, that's actually one of the beautiful pieces about this age. Uh, you know, kids and their teenagers 
children for sure not. Teenagers don't see that. Even 20s, 30s don't see it. But when you get to be our age, you finally understand that. You finally understand that, that the, it's the journey and it's the self-acceptance of all that's come before us. And the mess, accepting the emotions as they come. So that's a mindfulness tool. And I just wanted to just reiterate that because on one hand, we, whether you're good at journaling is, is one of the tools I know I sometimes use, but I'm not a big writer. So sometimes I'll just dictate in things into an audio recorder about how I'm feeling just to just to be with what is and let myself witness that. And then, and then there's this, this, this other tool, actually, you sent out an email to some of our friends today. And uh, I do this on a pretty regular basis, like looking in the mirror. Right. And right, right. do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, sure. It's actually looking in the mirror past what you look like. It's looking deeply in the mirror into your eyes and seeing who's there and seeing the soul and seeing the acceptance and seeing how hard you've tried and loving exactly who you are for who you are and that you're a perfect you. And you're not meant to be anyone else or to accomplish anything else or other than just being you. I think when we start trying to attach our self-value on our egos and what we've accomplished and what, we're, what we do and how much money we have and what kind of house and car and even where our kids go to college, um, you know, all these things that are prestige-based, that these are all such, at the end of the lifetime, are all such empty places that we can't hold on to or we don't take with us and it, those are all sort of cliche examples but it's all really true so it's really looking in and it's learning to love each other from that space our our partners our children and teaching them when the, you'll remember also this is so huge and i you can't give anybody what you don't have so if you don't have self-love we're going to raise children and that that don't have it because they'll feel it you know it's not what we say it's who we are and how we model and our partners know do we love them because they bring home a big paycheck because they're good looking because they have this kind of a body or this kind of a this or this or intellectually of amazing i mean you know intellect is great and yet it's not it, it also could just be a status symbol and of course it is well it's it's like that's not who i am i'm not my those are garments of the soul you see, those are garments of the soul. When you fall in love with somebody, what is it? You fall in love with, with, you see deeper than all of that. You see into who they are in God's eyes, it, which is just this incredible, unique creation of them. That's, and they, they, you see them witness uh, us as an aspect of ourselves, our highest self. So that? real love is also some them seeing us back so that that, oh, mirror, that mirror comes back to what love can be. Of course. That's what it is. That's why it's such an intoxicating experience because we see our godly selves and the other and who we truly are and not the mistakes we've made. And a lot of us at this age, listen, let's face it, we've all screwed up pretty all good. All of us have screwed up, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, getting back to this is what how amazing sex can be. When you are tuned in to that part of the person, when you are together naked, I mean, you're truly naked. It's this really deep, beautiful intimacy that um, I think comes, um, it can come when you're young, but that's really rare. Yeah, what, what Natalie's moving into and what I, what I want also. So 
And and now also you're on a trip, which is to bring it back to the beginning that you mentioned about ayahuasca or yeah, psychedelics. And now you're on a trip to join your son. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I am, as I mentioned, I am always still, you know, still seeking, of course. So I'm going to meet my dear son who is in Colombia and he's taking plant medicines with the indigenous peoples there. And he's going to be learning how to make them and create them. So I'm really excited because it's something I've always been really fascinated with and always thought it would be this incredible vehicle to expand my consciousness even more and really have a real definite experience of, of God's presence in the world. I mean, that's, I don't know what I'm going to have actually, but that's what I want to actually have. So it says you have to set an intention. And then when you set your intention, it's magnified. So if you want to experience love, that's more like, I, I actually want to have a visceral experience of God. So I'm hoping that that will transpire, but who knows? I'm open, I'm open to whatever. And then I'm going to Guatemala also to finish up my Akashic Records training, which is part of my book of life, um, the readings I do. So let's have you talk about that and how people can reach you or actually before that, anything else you'd want to say before we kind of close up with that, your contact information or anything that you feel like still in your heart, like, oh, I should say it. something from the, as an open nester or as a, as a beautiful, soulful woman that's in the, in her, in her, on her journey, just honestly and truly on her journey. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? I guess the one thing I'll share is that the most important piece of life is authenticity and, and love, <laughs> you know, without uh, that, that, that we're all created from the same material, you know, everything in the universe is energy and everything is either energy or matter. And, and love is just matter and in motion. Tuning in, remembering who you are and remembering you're remembering that you're a soul and a body and that nothing is that, this is another thing really, I'll just leave, that nothing is that important. That we make things so like crises in our lives, but our lives are actually bigger stories than ourselves. That we get stuck in our egos, we get stuck in our stories and that there, if we zoom out and just see that we're just a, a little fraction of a whole bigger cosmic consciousness. And then we're all here together. I think that that's, we just forget, you know, we're all here together in the same planet that is with one source, which is the, the unity of God. And when we lose sight of that, that's when we feel separated and have pain. So I think just remembering that who you truly are, uh -huh. In order to be be our legacy, as you mentioned, a soul legacy, it yeah. also requires us surrendering to that. Totally. Right. It's it's what is your legacy here? Who are you? What are you doing? What do you want to leave? As, um, what do you want to leave here on this planet? So um, how can people reach you to, in order to start investigating that? Uh, if, you, if you'd like to. Well, they can go to my website, which is uh, readyourbookoflife.com readyourbookoflife.com mm -hmm. and then they can email me at esther at readyourbookoflife.com and i esther 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 at readyourbookoflife.com okay e-s-t-h-e-r yes readyourbookoflife.com mm -hmm. and i really love doing this i love helping people figure out 
how to create their own soul legacy and how they can move through life with a really deep, meaningful expression of themselves and feel like they matter and feel like their lives matter. That's really at the end, you know, <laughs> one of the exercises, I know you do this too, is where you imagine people talking at your eulogy and what, what do you want them to say? Like, what was your life about? What do you, what, what did you do here? You know, well, I had kids, I did this, I did that, but who are you? What did your soul do here? I'm into this journey, my beautiful friend. Thank you so, so much for spending this time with me this afternoon. You are so welcome. You know that I love you. I love, love you too. Thank you, darling. Bye. What Tessa is a suspected Esther story is fascinating to me. It's fascinating because she went from a Hasidic lifestyle to having her own business while in the open nesting stage. It is very unique, very unique, and I salute her for the courage to move on. And, you know, I, I keep on remembering the story and the sentence that one of my ex-partner told me once, you can't wait for success, you got to move on without it. And she certainly did. I would say that her value for success, though, is a little different than what I think most business partners might say, because we can't take our accomplishments with us. Like the idea of of this taking off this garment of, of the outer world is helping us see more into our soul. And that's the essence of this beautiful work. Well, what I'm saying life. is she did not wait for everything to reveal and be in place. She moved on right. without having to wait for something to uh, tell her that this is the right path that she has to go to. Well, and, we all uh, have these kind of waves of not knowing and uncertainty and how to live with that and how to yeah. live with fear. I mean, you know. Uh, exactly. And, and I had the opportunity to allow Esther to really take a look at the book of my soul. And it was a quite moving experience. She certainly has, a, has the gift to sense and feel the energy and provide really divine healing. She have helped me, certainly. Uh, helped me reveal my self-worth and was able to explain where there are some deficiencies in my, in my energy. And let me, let me be very clear. Esther is not a fortune teller. She just can clearly feel and sense energy. And um, my experience with that was absolutely incredible. It happened uh, last October, right before we started the podcast, and she was spot on, spot on. About so many things that actually came to fruition that you never even expected. Exactly. She knew you had exactly. a passion for radio. Yeah. She was able to read your vulnerability. And what she was saying about that you're one of the, the men that are showing up, and that's what men need to do by finding that vulnerability in their openness towards growth that doesn't always come from the same places they've exactly. expected it to. Let me tell so. you, I, I know myself much better today after I have uh, uh, had a, a session with her and after I you know, can look back and connect the dots, certainly. It definitely gives us perspective when we zoom out on our our exactly. stories and and so i think what she does for us is help us look that our yeah. our souls are here for a reason and how can we more tune into them and it comes from that long that 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 sense of where we are feeling our love and feeling that self-love and i do believe that that love is that oneness and when we're aligned we really are showing up with that we light up and, and, you're, and, you're, and don't forget her beautiful story of open nesting it is yeah. a great story of how she, with five kids, how she Amazing. was able to, to go through her divorce, 
to uh, really get her life together and, and be in a, in a great place where she is right now. Um, I, I salute her for that. You know, there's many stories like that, and we would love to hear from you, the audience, if you know of someone that has a story that can share or you have your own story, please go to our website, theopennesters.com. That's theopennester, double N in the middle, S at the end, opennester.com. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Also, try to fill up a survey for us. Let us know what episode you like, what other subject matter you like to hear about. And Tessa, we have also a Facebook group, no? We have a closed Facebook group, The Open Nesters. If you can find us on Facebook, we're also on Twitter and Instagram, at T-Open for Twitter and The Open Nesters. And more, I'd love to just bring you to our our website because there's a lot of rich resources. There's so many rich resources there that you can really learn about as an open nester. And there's also our, my page, which I'm helping people co-create this kind of vitality of their lives to try Absolutely. to identify how we can uncover some of the things that, that, that make us feel alive again. Yeah. So please do, do stay with us and, and we want your, we love the openness of you being out of the box. Absolutely. And hey, thanks for listening and making this an incredible podcast. This is a, certainly a subject matter that's important and relevant to a lot of people. And we're so happy that the audience is just growing leaps and bounds. So thank you. Thank you for making this a very popular podcast. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, this is Amir. And I'm Tessa. And we will see you on the radio. Ciao.